Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. And good morning, Faith Baptist Church. We are delighted and thrilled to be here, and I am thanking God for the opportunity that he has given to me to come and share with you an exciting ministry, Assist Canada. Uh, I really want to say a word of thank you to the leadership who invited me to come. And uh, we love this church. In fact, uh, just let me share with you, we have family here. I mean, I have close family here. And we have close friends. And uh, through the years, we made it a point, at least once a summer, on our vacation, to come here and worship with you folk, because we love this church, and uh, we, we've prayed for this church, and it's so exciting to me to see how God has worked through the years and is working now, and even this morning, uh, I believe that God has the plan, not a plan, but I believe God has the plan. And this morning, I believe he has the plan for this time. And I really want to thank the worship team, April and the guys. Uh, thank you so much for the songs that you selected. Believe the Holy Spirit of God has led you to that, those songs, and with freedom and peace and not being alone, and uh, it's all about him because he is our freedom, he is our peace, and uh, I want you to know that I am so very, very thankful that I am not alone, and uh, you're not alone if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Now, let me just say this. Assist Canada is a mission uh, to places and people, churches in the world, uh, several different places. Uh, Assist Canada works. And uh, it was founded about, uh, oh, maybe 25 or 30 years ago. And it was founded because one man had a burden for Cuba. He was with another mission, and that was a mission from the uh, United States. And if you know much about Cuba and the United States relationship, let's just say it is not the best. Uh, it is, and it's going <laughs> uh, the wrong direction even now. It was going a little better when I was there in 2015 visiting under President Obama, but now with the new president, uh, it's going in the, in the opposite direction. And, and uh, with uh, Mr. Trump, it was doing okay, but now the relationship is just going off the rails. And, and Cuba has always, of course, not liked the United States. And therefore, uh, they were very opposed to missionaries coming from the United States or with 
uh, the United States American missions. And so one man who was a Canadian felt that he really wanted to see the evangelical church uh, proceed and to grow uh, and to be ministered to in Cuba. And so he, and later on with another man, the first man was name was John Harder, the second man, and some of you may recognize this name, Don Pickle. And both those men, believe it or not, are still very active on the board of assist. John Harder is over 90, and Don Pickle is, will be 82 this fall, and they're still very active. And uh, <clears throat> so the goal of assist is to come alongside Dear precious pastors and uh, churches that preach the gospel and people uh, of Christ in countries and places where they are in a poverty situation and a persecuted situation. And that's what I found when God unexpectedly, and I want you to know, I was not expecting to go to Cuba. I was not expecting to uh, spend any time in Cuba, and certainly not later on now, since January, representing CIS Canada in Nova Scotia. All of that was in the plan of God, not this old boy's plan, but in the plan of God. And so, in January 2015, I ended up in Cuba with a team, and uh, I'm going to show you some pictures here. If the pictures are going to come up, we can show you just a few pictures, okay? So there I am, and notice wearing my Nova Scotia t-shirt uh, with the lobster on it. This is a dear pastor in Cuba and his wife, and we... We're down there to encourage, and here we are praying, praying for uh, the Cuban uh, pastors, with the Cuban pastors, and at an uh, evangelical Baptist church in Cuba. Okay, and here is, and I just want to hold this picture for a minute, because uh, we were not expected to visit this church. And one night, late at night, it was getting late, and our guide, who uh, is the, was the former president of the Eastern Baptist Convention, that's who Assis works with in Cuba, very evangelical, conservative uh, uh, group of churches, wonderful to be part of a group of churches, and so we work with the Eastern Baptist Convention, Assis does, and uh, <clears throat> so our guide, late at night, it was really late, and we were tired. He said, we've got to visit this church. The God just spoke to my heart. We're going by the area. We need to stop at this church. And so we said, okay. And we went into this little church. And by the way, most of the evangelical churches in Cuba are disguised and they're smaller, when I say smaller, the buildings are smaller, but they would have 70, 100 or more in little buildings. We'll show you a picture of one in just a minute. Uh, some of them are larger, 
And uh, you know that the Cuba uh, government, socialist government, since uh, the early 60s, the revolution took place with Castro, and uh, yet they tolerate the church because of what the church is doing in meeting needs of people, practical needs with food and medical uh, supplies because they don't have that down there in Cuba like here. And even now, there is a, a tremendous drought down there and a tremendous food shortage, fuel shortage, and uh, you cannot go and just get a, a box of Tylenol uh, off the counter in Cuba. It's not there. You cannot get any kind of painkillers like we have here, ibuprofen, aspirin, uh, whatever you have. You cannot get cough medicine, cough drops, or anything like that. You cannot even get Pepto-Bismol. And even when I was down there, I found that out. Because uh, when we take, Assist takes teams down, and I was one of the teams. We stay at a resort the first night. Then we go out around the countryside. And may I say, if you've been to Cuba, and you've been on the resort, uh, you've not seen Cuba. The real Cuba is outside the resorts and, and, and in the countrysides, and uh, that's where you get to see the real Cuba, and it's like stepping back into the 1930s or 40s. And uh, most of the dear people, uh, because of the heavy-handed government that controls everything, controls wages, controls where you go, um, everything about your life they, 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 they want to know about and, and, and they control it. Uh, and so uh, we were down there and there's a picture of a church disguised. It's a, a pastor's home, but they would have a church and they make a bigger living room and uh, you notice the, the windows there just have a few little slats in them. A lot of windows are actually open and people come to worship, worship standing outside the church, looking in the windows and then the place, the little living room that may be the size of this platform is jam packed with people. And, uh, and uh, what a blessing to be there and to see what God is doing in that place of poverty and persecution. And so uh, uh, they don't have what we have, folks. And that's why we as a mission uh, send down, send down, uh, medical supplies. They don't have first aid bandages or whatever. And that's what I am doing is trying to uh, share the need for those. And if God lays on your heart to collect them or, or, or to uh, buy some for, for there, if you go and you find a special on Tylenol or whatever and you buy an extra bottle, if, if this church can organize and bring them in and I could uh, pick them up or whatever. Medical supplies and uh, uh, the first aid and all those things. We just sent down a whole container of rice. I mean a big container of rice. 
uh, it, was, it was full of bags of rice, and it was distributed among the churches and the, and the people there to help feed them in this shortage. Let me just give you an example of, of something. Uh, the food that is there now, uh, the mafia is controlling a lot of the food. They are buying it up and then selling it at outrageous prices. You say, how outrageous is it? Well, if you were to go to uh, a market in Cuba and the mafia was controlling that, which they are most of them, most places, uh, you would have to pay, now, now listen to this, you would have to pay upwards to $20 for a dozen of eggs. $20 for a dozen of eggs. It's way over $10 now. Uh, it was $10 when I was down there. Now it's up to about $20 for a dozen of eggs. Out in the countryside, as we visited 20 churches in 11 days to try and help them, uh, there's the other picture there. That's our team. And most of those uh, are from New Glasgow. The guy over on this end is from Winnipeg. He's our Western representative. But some of you may know some of those guys. They go to Maranatha Bible Church. Some have moved on now uh, away. But, but that was our, our team. And that is the little pastor down there. By the way, we collect uh, clothing too, okay, for them and send it down. And that little guy is wearing one of the T-shirts we brought down. And uh, if you go to Cuba, you'll find a lot of pastors down there now wearing striped T-shirts because we had a whole load of them. We brought down T-shirts and, and we brought down clothing and footwear for, for people and pastors and their families. And uh, we brought down soccer balls and baseballs because they love that down there. School supplies. Okay, so that is our, our, team, our team there. And uh, so uh, they really have a need because of the poverty. Now, do we have another picture? Or did you just show them? Okay, here, stop, there. Well, let me go back to that one I said to stop in. That church that we went to, uh, that was the youth pastor there, the tall guy. And uh, all our team said he reminds us of, of my son, Jeff, who is active in leading worship at Maranatha Bible Church. My son is really tall. And, uh, and so they said, hey, that's the Cuban Jeff. That's the Cuban Jeff. And so uh, our uh, youth group at Maranatha, had, the children had brought in over a year uh, their offering. And we had enough offering when we got down there. We, we said, what are we going to give this to, give this to. And uh, so we got to this church unexpectedly. It was the Holy Spirit. And down there, most pastors, they don't drive uh, cars. They have mostly bicycles. And, and sometimes they have their wife, they have you know, a bicycle bill for two, and the wife's on the back, and, and they go along. Anyway, that tall guy there, he had a bicycle. But I tell you, he had so many patches on the tires and in the tubes and the bicycle looked like it was built in 1930 and it was just in terrible shape. And so we, we knew the Holy Spirit spoke to us almost all at once and said, uh, this is where 
the children's offering is going to, to buy a bicycle for him. And so we were able to. This here, uh, we went into a pastor's home. The wife there had about four or five little children under school age. She had two in diapers. She was washing the cloth diapers on a scrub board with a, 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 a aluminum uh, big uh, uh, bucket there. And, and she was scrubbing and, and, and scrubbing. And, and so we had funds with us that we were able to purchase a little spin dryer there for her. They do have electricity. And, 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 and we were able to get her a spin dryer there. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. There is much poverty down there. There is much persecution, and in countries also that we work in, like Nicaragua and, and India, and uh, in India we have, we're teaching them how to uh, um, have fish and, and, and to, uh, be fish farmers and so they can provide food for themselves. Uh, we work a little bit in Turkey, uh, but that's getting very slim because it's very dangerous. And we had one missionary have to come home from Turkey uh, because his life was threatened several times. We work in the Philippines big time. Uh, and, and Cuba is, is where I am centered on. And so uh, <clears throat> we, we bring food down and send the food down and and clothing and finances we take down in the trips that we can go down. We send them down if we can, and uh, that is the big thing. So the bottom line is this, and uh, we're gonna show a video, and it's a secular video uh, at the end of the service, and I'll introduce that a little later on, but uh, it's about Cuba, but there's tremendous persecution unbelievable poverty that the pastors and their families are going through. The government, of course, controls the salaries. The government, when we were down there, uh, <clears throat> when we were out in the, traveling around the country, uh, we stayed in some bed and breakfasts, and, and, uh, and then the pastors would feed us uh, when we got to the church, and by the way, they fed us what they had, and they would not eat with us. And, and we caught on to that. We said, why, <clears throat> why aren't you gonna, why don't you eat with us? And it was because they wanted us to eat everything that was there. And they gave us the best they had. The best they had, those dear people. And then they would eat the leftovers afterwards. We cut on a little bit after about five or six churches, and we decided there's gonna be a lot of leftovers. So there's the persecution and the poverty, but why is the church moving ahead and growing and church after church, we, 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 uh, they, they took us in and they gave us reports of how many people came to Christ and, 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 and baptisms and outreach into planting Bible studies in other places, every church we went to. And then we went to a few larger churches in the, in the city that the government tolerates. The government doesn't really like them a whole lot. 
and the government's very jealous sometimes of what they do. In fact, in 1991, Castro bulldozed a lot of Bible-believing churches because when the hurricane went through, Matthew, I think back then, when it went through, uh, the people lost their homes and everything, and the churches uh, came and were supplying food and a hot meal every day. And what did the government do? Zero. And Castro did not like that. And he said, we're cleaning them out, wiping them out. And he did. Uh, but there's story, many stories I could tell you about how God undertook, even when the government tried to destroy. Because you see this, when the devil wants to ruin, God wants to strengthen and to build that which is his. And he when God is building, when God is growing, yes, the enemy comes in to wreck and ruin. But I want you to know, as we sang there, he gives the freedom, he gives the peace, and he gives the growth to the, to the churches. And so because of what we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to talk about the intense intercession for the presence and glory of God from Moses' point of view. And that's why the church in Cuba is multiplying and really exploding in some places there because of the prayers of God's people and the provision of God's people and the power of God. And that's why. And that's what we need to see in this country and maybe some more poverty of us that we won't have things. And, and God may be bringing us to that. The food shortage, the fuel shortage, the things that we don't have because we, then we'll have, they have nowhere to turn but to God. And they do. And the big, uh, there's, you know, several religions down there, of course. Roman Catholicism is big, but they have a religion which is called Santeria, which is a big thing down there, which, which is a combination of Roman Catholicism and voodoo. And uh, the witch doctors they have are, are the leaders in it. And they, they worship idols and, and they drink all these potions and they have these spells and, and all that. But they're finding out it doesn't work. And many of them are turning to Christ because the true God does his work in lives. The true God provides. The true God heals when they need healing from disease. The true God will take care of them. And they are, are going to the presence of God and, and uh, praying to him and coming to know him. So we are going to look at, in Exodus chapter 32, uh, in your series that you're doing, Conversations with God through this summer, and uh, so when uh, Pastor Josh asked me to come, I wrote back and said, I said that, I, I, and God already spoke to me. He said, I said, uh, I really feel God wants me to speak on prayer. And he wrote back to me, he said, well, yes. But I, and, and I had given him the title of the message that I had from the New Testament. He said, yes, but 
we would really like you to carry on in this series that we're doing from the Old Testament prayer, Conversations with God. And so he gave me this assignment. So, <laughs> if you define your purpose, you'll accomplish your task. And so that's what we're going to try to do with, with God's help. And if you could be finding, please, Exodus chapter 32. Finding, or it's up here, and uh, all the verses will be there. I'm not going to take time because he assigned me, actually, two passages together. Uh, Exodus 32, starting at verse 9, all the way through Exodus chapter 33 to the end of that chapter, verse 23. And it's actually two different passages, two happenings. Well, I uh, have been praying, and I trust you've been praying for the word of God this morning. And uh, I want to... Uh, uh, Ask God to help us. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray, oh God, that you would really be with us and help us, dear Father, to share your word. God, pray that you would be with these dear people, be with their minds, be with their hearts. Speak as only you can speak. Do your work. Through the Holy Spirit, in this place we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Here, as we begin, very uh, tremendous words that I need to hear and you need to hear today. You see, when I first got this, I said, how is this relevant for today? But as we unpack it, uh, Lord willing, you will see uh, today uh, how it is relevant for this time. So it says there in verse number nine, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, not Moses, not another person, <coughs> Uh, not the uh, free slaves of, uh, that were in Goshen. By the way, we're from Goshen, and I give you uh, greetings from Goshen. We are slaves too. Uh, we're not slaves to uh, King Pharaoh. We're slaves to King Jesus. And so that's why uh, we're doing what he wants us to do. But the Lord said, and the Lord said here, and the Lord is going to make a point here. So God speaks. And God wants to make his point. And we need to be listening to God. We need to hear God in these days like we've never heard God speak. Don't you love that old song? It was, it's, it's older now, but it wasn't so old there. But word of God speak. And we need to hear the word of God and be under the truth because we need truth like never before. And thy word is truth, it said about God and his word. And so we need him to speak. 
We need to hear God in these situations that we have today that we're facing that maybe we never faced before. The problems, the pressures of life. Uh, we need him to speak to us for direction, for guidance, for assurance, for peace, so that we can know the freedom that you sang about and to know that you're not alone. And so he speaks and he sees the scene. He sees the scene. That's S-C-E-N-E. And he's speaking and he sees the scene here. And the sad commentary on the scene, if you know this portion, the scene and what he's speaking to and what he sees is this. He sees the people rejecting the presence of God. And so in, in, in verse number one, Notice it says there of chapter 32, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up make us gods. Okay, my, the version that I'm reading through may not be exactly like, like yours, but it's basically the same thing. So <clears throat> they weren't waiting of God, on God. Thank you so much. They were not waiting on God. Moses was up there getting the commandments from God. They were, they were down at the bottom of the mountain there. They had heard God verbally give the commandments. They heard all the noise that was going on. But Moses was up there and he wasn't coming down. And uh, he was up there with God. They were here. It seemed like they were all uh, all alone, and they didn't wait uh, on God, and they took matters into their own hands, and they were led by sight, not by faith. And that is where we uh, have to make sure we don't go in these days, because we will get ourselves in real trouble real fast if we only act or react by sight, not by faith in God. We need to remember things like God is in control. When I don't have the answer, he has the answer. When I can't see what, what is happening and the reasons for it, God has his reasons. And so they didn't wait on, on God. They sought comfort and guidance in themselves. They gathered together. There was no thought of God. And uh, if we read on there, it, it says in chapter one, it, it says, uh, uh, reading on from where we left off there, it says, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. They said, well, what about this Moses guy? And it was just like they kind of just kind of threw him aside. He was their deliverer. What about him? He's the one that delivered them out of bondage there. And now they're just kind of saying, huh, who, who is Moses anyway? And, and they're just not... Uh, interested in him, 
Uh, and of course, he was the one that was connected with God. And uh, so in this situation where it just wasn't what they thought it should be, in the situations that we have, the events that happen, the disasters, the crisis, the disappointments, the destructions, the decisions that are hard and tough in these days, all the distractions there. <laughs> what are we thinking about God? What about thinking about if we go back, and I think this verse would be up there in uh, Exodus 19 and verse number uh, eight, if you go back there, and, and it's probably up there, Exodus and, and uh, 19, and look at verse number eight, it says, and all the people and answered together. Let me go to seven because it says, and Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And so they said, we're going to do whatever you say, God. But they certainly were not doing that which was, he would say now, because now they, of course, they, they went to Aaron and Aaron, man, built that substitute for God, that golden calf that was there. And if you go to Exodus 20, notice what it says here in Exodus 20. And it'd be up there. Uh, Exodus 20. And uh, it says there in verse number four, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that, that is in the water under the earth. And so God had told them not to make any graven image. And here they were. And here they were. Uh, they were not thinking about him or making his words a priority. And so God was speaking there to them. God's reaction. He spoke and he sees. Because he is observing. He knows you. He knows me. He knows this church. He knows Assist Canada. He knows. He's observing. He knows everything and he sees all. He sees every minute of everything. He is aware of your situation, whatever that may be. He knows your circumstance. He knows the things that are hurting you, the things that are hindering you, the things that you're struggling with. He knows all those things. He's on the scene. He is there. When you're down in the valley, and some of you may be there this morning, he is the lily of the valley. If you're in a storm and you're being lashed by winds and waves, he's in the midst of the storm, and he can calm you and calm your fears and calm the storms because he is our peace. He is the, the peace. He is the prince of peace. When you're facing sickness, like some of you here may be, or some of you that are online, and, and uh, sorry for not welcoming you, and we're so glad 
that you're listening to God's word online. And, and so uh, if you're facing sickness, like in this world today, so much sickness, remember this, remember this. He is the great physician and he can do work that man could never do. He can do work that even medicine can never do. Or he can take the medicine and make it work for you. He is the great physician. If you walk, you don't have to walk alone because you can walk with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. If you're facing death, the word of God says, I am the resurrection and the life. And yes, we die on this earth. And maybe we don't have healing on this earth. But we have the ultimate healing in heaven. And we'll live for eternity with the dear Savior and with God. He is the gift of eternal life. May I speak directly to you here. Some of you, some of you aren't sure of heaven maybe. Some of you don't know for sure if you died tonight or if Jesus were to come that you would go to heaven. And the Bible calls that being lost. Lost. And even as a Christian, you may have lost your way. Maybe you know Christ but you just seem to be stumbling and you've lost your way and you're trying to figure things out in all the confusion and all the conditions around you and you may be lost. May I say to you what the word of God says, the Lord Jesus Christ came and he said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's seeking you. He knows you. Oh, I love those songs, both the new one, He Knows My Name, and I love the old Southern Gospel one. And if you want to hear an uplifting song, go to the Rochesters on YouTube and, and, and play He Knows My Name, and He Knows Your Name, and thank God He Knows our name. He's not missing anything. He knows your story. He knows my story. He knows all stories. And so he saw there, notice, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen the people and behold is stiff-necked. They were stiff-necked in their rebellion. The word stiff-necked there is firm or, or hardened or, or rigid in their sin. But then we have Moses' response and I guess that's where we're supposed to go to today because Moses was a man of God. He was a servant of God. And when he hears of this situation and when he heard what God was saying about it, what did this dear man of God do? Was he critical? Oh, no. Was he condemning? Oh, no. This dear man of God, Moses, responded in prayer. He responded by uplifting those people who God saw as stiff-necked and sinful there. And Moses responded in prayer. Look at it here, verse 10. Now, therefore, let me alone. My wrath may wax hot against them. That's God's uh, 
thoughts on their sin and that I may consume them because I want to make you a great nation. I want to bring salvation. I want to bring purity, righteousness, that the, my people will be pure and righteous, a great people, not a sinful people. And so God was ready to take them out, which he has every right to do, as he does you and me. But thank God for his amazing grace. Are you thankful for his grace? Are you thankful for his mercy today, his forgiveness? And so Moses prays and he lifts the thoughts of God, his thoughts to, to God. Notice it says, and Moses besought, that's in the, the version I have, but yours says implored. <clears throat> and it's the same thing, except if you go to the root of those words, you find that it means to smooth the face. And what he wants to do is he wants to smooth God's angry face. He wants to smooth out the, 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 the anger in the face, the, the wrath that is there. He wants that smooth, smoothed out. That's what that word is, besought. And uh, implore means to make an earnest, intense request, hence our prayer. They needed the presence of God they did need the presence of God. So Moses intensely communicates and discusses this situation with God so that they would know the presence of God. And notice what it says here. He besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why? Now, I've had many dear people, very sincere, tell me, you're not supposed to ask God why. May I say that I have a little problem there? Because I've asked God why. Who in here hasn't asked God why? I say, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand God. I don't understand what's been happening in our world, the pandemic. I don't understand mass shootings. God, I don't understand I don't understand, dear God, how you can take a young person and bring them down with, with such sickness that they, they, they cannot function, oh God. I don't understand it. Why, God? I'm human. I don't understand it, God. I think we can discuss. I think that's being open and honest with God and discussing things truthfully and openly with God. I'm not like putting God on a, on a witness stand or anything. I'm not blaming God when I say why, or I'm not being uh, uh, not respecting of God. I'm just, I just want to understand why. Why? It's okay to ask the, word, the Lord questions to help you understand, to give you directions. God, I don't understand. And maybe God will choose not to really show us understand, but he knows I don't understand and that I'm anxious about it or struggling with it. And so maybe he will give me the peace that I need about it and the strength to go on even though I don't understand the confidence that I need. 
And so he appeals, and he appeals to the character of God in verse 12, and then he appeals to the covenant of God. The character of God, he says here, uh, for thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand. And so God had compassion on the slaves and he delivered them. And Moses appeals to the character of God, God's might, God's power here. And, he, and he, then in verse number uh, 12, he says, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed. This is the covenant, the promise that God made to them. That I'll multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have of will, uh, uh, will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And then God relented or repented. He turned in the opposite direction from the direction he was going. And thank God he answered the prayer. He answers prayer. And it's him, it's him doing it alone, not us doing it. We had no part in it. In Exodus 33, and if you go down to verse number 12, Notice here, it says in verse 12, in Exodus 33, and Moses said unto the Lord, see, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. And so here we have Moses speaking right off, <clears throat> not in responding to God, but Moses is speaking to, to God. God had spoke to him again about their stiff neck, this, uh, uh, stiff neck and, and, and he had given them the promise of the land and all the blessings that he was going to give them. But here's the thing, folks. I hope you know this. <clears throat> you can have all the blessings. You can have all the things that this world can offer. You can even have things that God has given to you, blessings from him. But the greatest gift that I know of is to have God with you, to have his presence with you. When I wake up in the morning, <laughs> he's with me. When I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Because he's with me. He is with me. And I'm walking with him. And he's walking with you. And so he gave them this. And the blessing of his presence. And Moses goes on and discusses again with God. And Moses is discouraged. Because God said he's not going to go in with the people. In, in 1 Corinthians 4.2 it says that... that uh, that is required of man to be faithful in stewards. Man is required to be faithful. Moses was faithful. In Hebrews 13, 5, it, it talks about God never leaving nor forsaking us. And so Moses was discouraged when God said, I'm not going to go into that land with you. You take the people in, Moses. But I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, if you don't come with me, we're done. 
uh, we're done. We're done. And so he prays here that God would give him uh, assurance and reassurance and recharge him. And Moses begins to pray for what I would call revival. Revival. And so Moses wants God's ways. Show me thy ways. In verse 12, Moses wants to know God that I may know thee more. Moses is uh, waiting on God's promises and, and wanting God to fulfill his promises. In verse 16, he says, do not separate us. He doesn't want to be separated from God. And look at verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, and here are the words. I beseech thee, he says, I beseech thee, earnestly, intensely, entreat thee, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And that ought to be our prayer, that we would see the glory of of God, show me, let me see thy glory. What is his glory? The word means splendor and plenteous, vast riches and resources. All that God is, all that God has, show me thy glory. We need him. You need him today? Do you know him as your personal savior? Are you walking with him? Are you trusting in him in these days that are very different? He's what you need. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Sing it with me. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And he's good to me. He's good to me. He's good to me. Jesus is good to me he's life and peace he's life and peace he, Jesus is life and peace show me thy glory many years ago there was a little missionary family in, down in Mexico they were driving along the highway and they looked up ahead and they saw a barricade. <clears throat> and they said, oh, they're checking for ID and so on. When they got closer to the barricade, they saw men in masks with big automatic weapons. And they knew in a moment it wasn't the government checking IDs or the government police. It was the drug cartel. And so they stopped the cars and they stopped the first car and they drug the, the people out and they were beaten to death. This missionary couple was three cars behind 
They got the second people in the car. They got them out and they died on the side of the road. The guy with a mask came with his rifle and put his hand on the door of the missionary couple. And he didn't open it. He walked to the next car. So as he walked in the next car, they heard sirens coming and they knew it was the police coming and, and they started having, having a shootout and the drug cartel were shooting and the police were shooting from behind and this missionary couple were in the middle and bullets were beginning to fly and hit the car. And they said, we got to get out of here because it was lasting a while, the shootout. And so they said, we got to get out of this car. And as they were going into the car, <coughs> his dear wife pushed the CD player in the car. They crawled out of the car and crawled down into the ditch and they laid there for several hours while the battle went on. The song that was playing on the CD player was, He Knows My Name. And it was on repeat and over and over again for several hours, this dear missionary couple heard he knows my name he knows my name and he knows your name your name your name he knows your name and he wants you and we need to pray that we would live in his presence and that the God of God would show us his glory here and in foreign lands like Cuba now Last Sunday, if you were here, and I watched the service, Pastor Josh said that I'd be speaking on Abraham out of this passage. It's, it's not there, except once it's mentioned. Remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if you were to turn back to Genesis chapter 12, and if you would look at this verse here, in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to put this, and I trust it'll, it'll be in your mind. Genesis chapter 12, and look at it here, verse 8. And this is Abraham traveling. It says, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. That's the place of God, the host of God, where God is. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So the question is, in the presence of God and when God is showing his glory, that's where I want to be, Bethel. I want to be at the place where God is. In the presence of God. In these days, in these days ahead, until Jesus comes and we go home to be with him, which could be any time, I want to be where God is in his presence. Because if I'm not, folks, AI means a heap of ruin. It's not going to work. It won't work for me. I need God's presence. I need God to show me his glory for I'm finished. And God is bringing you and you and you and me to places in these days, I believe, like never before, to the place where we have to 
go to God in our desperation, in our difficulties, in our disappointments, our discouragements, in our diseases, even in death. We need to remember that he is the resurrection and the life. I trust that you will pray for Cuba, that they would be in God's presence and assist Canada and pray for us as we travel and share and that God would show his glory. May he show his glory to you. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that even while I'm talking, if there's a dear one who's not sure of heaven, Today they would call upon you and put their faith and trust in you here in this building or, God, wherever they are. A dear Christian, dear God, who's maybe confused or trying to find their way in navigating through all the stuff these days, help them to pray intensely intercede for others, supplicate for themselves, Lord, that you would bring them to your presence and that you would show them your glory. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would continue to keep your hand upon this church and the dear pastors and leaders. And I pray, oh God, that you would do a great work here, ongoing in the days ahead till Jesus comes. We put them lovingly into your hands. In Christ's name, amen.